Welcome back to another episode of Make It Make Sense with Tommy Sojourner Campbell. Today's episode, we're going to focus on moving forward beyond diversity, equity, and inclusion. But before I get into what I'd like to share with you today, I want to really send a shout out, a thank you to all the professionals working on delivering services that are equitable, that consider culturally appropriate, culturally relevant ways of approaching their practice and thinking about how to provide services that really invite people to feel like they are at a center of attention in terms of dignity and respect. And and so I want to make sure that uh, I send a a thank you to everybody. Um, What I've realize in um, putting together this episode and particularly the podcast is that there are global listeners to um, this podcast. And and I also want to thank folks who are listening and taking the time to send their responses. And, um, you know, I invite you to send your questions and to uh, determine whether you want to be a guest on the the show as, as things progress. And you can always send your information, your questions, your comments to info at tomysojourner.com. You'll find the email address in the description box on the podcast. And so I look forward to uh, just hearing from you and hearing your thoughts. And uh, in today's episode, I want to talk to you about diversity, equity, and inclusion and really starting to, I mean, for some of you, obviously, who are listening, you might be practitioners, you might have worked in the industry or continue to work in, the, in this industry. And uh, it's, a, it's a troubling time. It's a difficult time. And there are challenges that are happening that really cause me, at least in, in the years that I've been doing this work, to pause and think about what are the next steps forward and how do we move forward with integrity and with care, uh, with kindness and with grace. And because, you know, there are a lot of things that are happening um, in our world around us, in our communities. And what I do know is that despite the very vocal pushback from some communities and some uh, high profile individuals, the baseline piece around why we have initiatives that's that focus on diversity equity and inclusion, those baselines haven't changed. And in fact, when you look at systemic discrimination or have an understanding of what systemic racism has done and continues to do to undermine the achievement, the success, the contributions of so many people who come from historically marginalized communities, you can't help but pause and think about, well, if DEI is under attack, what can we do to shore up the gains that have been made to ensure that there's human rights and equity are being uh, upheld, the rights of individuals are being upheld in our workplaces who face systemic discrimination or individual or institutionalized form of discrimination? And what else can we do? And part of that, I would argue, is looking at where you can put into, if you're a business owner or an organization lead and um, leader, it's a consider, can you use anti-racism, anti-oppression practices? What does it mean to talk about 
inviting people into your workplace as potential employees, you know, they're investing their time, their resources. For many of us, work is our primary space that we allocate hours and hours of our life to and uh, and our knowledge and our gifts. So I think it's an, it's an important conversation around, can we simply look at diversity, equity, inclusion, policies, practices, procedures, and erase them from the work and the integrity, quite frankly, of the organizations that say they support wanting to ensure that the people feel respected and included. And I would say that you cannot. Although you may name it something different, and of course, uh, what we saw in 2020, the fact that there was this sort of growth area of um, equity-based work or inclusion-based work, and it now takes many different forms for some organizations. They call it justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. For others, they're talking about uh, social justice and other frameworks, and I would say and invite those of you who are listening to really question how we can make sustainable changes. This happening around equity, diversity, inclusion, and so the pushback or the the rejection of that approach is that what are the other approaches that we need to put in place? Because I know in in the the almost 30 years I've been doing this work that it has come by many names and the bottom line has always been, what are we doing to respect and protect people's rights and ensuring that they can go to work and feel safe and not be in a place where they are just waiting for the next shoe to drop, if you will, with you know expletives or racial slurs. And unfortunately, in some workplaces and in some services where people are accessing services, that still happens. So we can't give up the we can't give up simply because uh, there are people are, are pushing back against some of these initiatives. It also means that these initiatives are working, but when they are so easily dismantled in some corporate sectors, and these corporate sectors have impacts, a ripple effect across the world globally, right? There is a ripple effect around uh, other smaller organizations saying, well, if that large corporation that has invested years of you know, statements of we we support um, Black Lives Matter, we support fighting against anti, anti-Black anti racism, we support um, looking at issues of accessibility and inclusion of 2SLGBTQ communities, all of a sudden can just pull back and say that we've shut these departments down. We are now looking at sort of alternatives because there have been some loud vocal uh, comments or actions that are pushing back against these these more progressive changes. This is a time for action. This is a time to know that it is it is exactly why we need to have these policies and practices in place. And I question um, their commitment to make their spaces safe for the very people they they say that they want to support. Um, and the signal that they're sending to their staff and their clients who have been historically, or from communities that have been historically marginalized and experienced different forms and different levels of trauma and exclusion, that they're not top of mind. And it's, it's we, can't, we can't continue on that process. I think it's important that if an organization and, and a business is making that commitment to being more inclusive, 
to creating a sense of belonging and safety, whether they choose to reframe it is that they continue on that pathway and that they have consultations, ongoing consultations with the folks who are deeply impacted um, by acts of exclusion and by acts of, of discrimination so that they are a part of the conversation, not just an afterthought um, when things sort of go down and then perhaps in a year or five years from now, there'll be a change of heart and those very same folks who were let down are going to be asked to come back to the table to re-strategize and more business cases for diversity, equity, and inclusion, or whatever terminology that will be used then as a different iteration will be asked to, to spend their energy and trust in a system that failed them. So I think that, you know, as if you're a business owner and you're and you're contemplating what your next steps are, I really think it's important to talk to the very communities that will be directly harmed by uh, the removal of those provisions, those policies and practices that embrace inclusion, that want to root out systemic discrimination, that want to deal with the interpersonal forms of harassment and discrimination, and build in uh, an environment that allows for people to thrive. I can tell you in, in all the years that I've had different conversations with folks who are new to the, you know, their employer, they are uh, new or they've been customers for a very long time and they're looking at different services. There are patients looking for culturally responsive and appropriate care. The, the commonality, the common themes that I hear is I want to be treated with dignity and respect. Not the respect that's in the Merriam-Webster's dictionary or the dignity, the dignity that's defined by Merriam-Webster or the Oxford Dictionary, but it is a co-created understanding of what dignity means to the individual or respect. And simply creating an environment that allows for that is so important. Whether you're looking at a, a new employee, I mean, we talk, you often hear what people talk about, well, depending on the generation you're from, you have generations of folks who will stay in a workplace for 20, 30 years, regardless of the respect or disrespect that they experience. We're now in, a, in an economic, economic downturn, so I understand why people will stay, but there are, there are other generations that are, they're out. They will not stick around for if they feel that their rights are not being respected, if they feel that their expectation that this organization is going to be inclusive because that's what they've been reading about. And then their experience when they enter into that workplace is nothing but the opposite of that, where there's, uh, you know, the, the, the environment, the cultural environment allows for discriminatory comments to being made, jokes being made, it's inaccessible, uh, and, and folks are feeling like they don't belong. And, and if they speak up, they're going to be othered, they're going to be pushed aside. And in some, you know, in some experiences, folks have shared with me that they end up um, being concerned that they will no longer have employment, despite being told that it was safe to go to human resources or people, talent and culture to raise a concern. Sometimes it's just an informal, a complaint. Sometimes it's a formal complaint. But what I've realized in, in my own journey working with different organizations is it's important to have those difficult, challenging conversations around what does inclusion actually look like? 
what is what is the bottom line when you say you you're building these spaces what is the experience of the people who are actually in that space day in day out and this is regardless if it's in person remote or hybrid what is the experience of that particular worker or those groups of workers and on the service delivery side what is happening when you're the person who's going to access service, whether going to healthcare and trying to get in to see a nurse or a doctor or a nurse practitioner, what happens when they're trying to access a sports venue or entertainment venue and they're experiencing, you know, consumer racial profiling, being profiled, uh, being denied access to services and, or they're trying to access a, a, a washroom or facility and they're not able to go in for whether they are stopped by somebody because they're being scrutinized for their gender presentation or they are not able to access what is marked as a, a wheelchair or a accessible washroom because the space is not clean or sanitized uh, for them to be able to access it or it's not make it or it's not accessible because it wasn't built in consultation with the folks who actually use the space accessible requirements put in place. So, you know, I think that there are things that we are constantly trying to think about. We as in people, I'm referring to the folks who work in in my industry and there are constant issues that come up and and so you know, what I will leave you with and there's a few few points that I want to leave you with first of all when I mentioned it's important to think about when you're building or implementing practices that look at diversity inclusion equity anti-racism anti-oppression human rights and equity it's really thinking through what are you building out what are you creating what is the environment that you're welcoming people in and how do you make it sustainable it has to be constructed if you will in a way that allows a framework to nav to to be uh, agile to the changes that are coming up, without it disappearing and without the provisions that will allow for people's human rights, their dignity, uh, to look at anti-racism, anti-oppression practices, power and privilege to be that needs to be challenged in those spaces. Those policies, practices, and procedures and protocols need to be in place. And so I think it's important to keep it top of mind of how do you do that and how do you create an agile program that will constantly shift depending on the needs, but ensuring that those folks from historically marginalized places uh, and communities are not lost in the mix. Thinking about keeping top of mind as well, when we are talking about uh, trying to include people to ensure that they can bring their whole self to work or to a sporting event, whatever that might look like, is to be mindful of the words that we're using, the intention and the messaging behind it. Because ultimately, I think it's it's going to be key over the next certainly 12 months in 2024, but beyond that, is to reframe how you are, are investing resources and supports to ensure that people are feeling that they can come in and thrive in those spaces and providing the environment that they are, they know that they can have some difficult and challenging conversations with their colleagues or with their, their managers, or if they're getting services 
that there's somebody who is available, who is willing and able to speak on behalf of the organization or the business uh, to move things forward. I, that will be, uh, that is crucial and that will continue to be crucial. I want to leave you with a couple of questions. First question, how are you going to ensure and and your spheres of influence and the spaces that you occupy, whether you're a leader in your workplace, you're an employee, you're a service user, what do you need? What do you need to ensure that there is going to be an ongoing conversation and investment in inclusion and investment in human rights and equity and investment in ensuring that anti-oppressive and anti-racism practices still exist 12 months from now, and that the programming and the policies and, pro- and procedures that are there will be flexible and agile enough to move and change with a changing and ever-changing environment. If you're an individual who does this work, what do you need to sustain yourself in the, the time ahead? The conversations are getting harder. The folks who are not happy with the changes that have been made so far in the name of diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism, anti-oppression are feeling quite grounded and supported in coming forward and sometimes challenging in very disrespectful ways. Other folks are just sharing you know, the reflections. How do you navigate that uh, for yourself? Where do you go and get support and care for your spirit and your heart uh, as you move through this? And and lastly, I think as a service user, what what are the conditions for you to access those services? And anything sort of having a positive experience, how do you note that? What do you do to ensure that you know your the the self advocacy is there, but also just taking care of yourself in a, in in a in a general sense um, as you move forward? And when the expectations that you have of sort of an inclusive inclusionary practice is not met, what do you do and what do you need? And if it is met, um, how do you take note of that and share that with the organization that is doing that work to ensure that you're able to access that space in a way that is more inclusionary and, but there's an exchange of information and ideas. Okay, until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen to Make It Make Sense with Tommy Sojourner Campbell. I hope that you have a fantastic start of your week and I will be back next week.